Hello and welcome to the first episode of RPG Catastrophe. Today's topic, what makes a TTRPG fun? We're going to be looking at other TTRPG systems and analyzing what we can take from them to make ours just that much better. Let's start with one of the most popular systems in our current day, Dungeons and Dragons. What makes it such a special game? Well, it gives you sort of a platform that you can build off of. Many TTRPG systems do this, and this is what I want to repli replicate with my system. It's, you, nothing is really set in stone. It gives you an amazing base to jump off of. D&D doesn't work just by itself, but it also does not work without any systems in place. And you can be something that you are not. Normally, obviously, you can't be a wizard, or you can't be anything other than a human. And having these choices to be something that you're not, even just for a short time, can be so life-changing for people. It also builds community within you, a group of friends, or even just some people that you're playing with that you know, don't know before. You get to know them so well throughout the course of a campaign not only personally, but also in-game. Also, D&D knows what it wants to do. It wants to be a high-fantasy, medieval-style role-playing game, so it doesn't try to spread itself too thin to cover every single basis out there. Also, and... Cut that last part out. An underrated plus of D&D is that it has horizontal scaling versus vertical scaling. Horizontal scaling, specifically in combat terms, means that instead of getting instead of having your old abilities get better as time goes on, you get new abilities. This keeps each level up fresh cuz you're getting something new each time. There's almost never a level up where you're like, oh no, I only get this, or I don't get anything important to my character. Also, it's easily modified. Even in the Dungeon Master's Guide, it says that any of those rules, even the core ones, can be modified to your liking. Now that we've talked about its... Cut that out. Now that we've talked about its upsides... What are the downfalls of D&D? Well, despite, even though, now that we've talked about the upsides of D&D, let's talk about the downsides. We know from the upsides that it tries not to spread itself out too thin, but this is a problem when you want to do a very specific adventure. Let's say I want to run a cyberpunk adventure in D&D. But I can't, because there's not rules for that. So I'd have to go through all of this work of doing a lot of homebrew. And why would you not, and at that point, why would you not just get another system that works with Cyberpunk? Many... The RP, while extremely fun, is mostly fueled by players. While there are multiple spells, 
and cantrips that can help you in in RP, you have to be creative. But this erase this erases a problem for the roleplay is mostly based is put the burden of roleplay is put onto players' shoulders. Which means the burden of roleplay is put onto players' shoulders. While there are maybe a couple spells and cantrips and a couple of class abilities that can help with roleplay, most of the time you have to be the one that puts the coal in the furnace to keep the roleplay chugging on. Another downside is that the combat is not balanced. There is obviously a huge dispute between mar- marshals and spellcasters and halfcasters. You can go up and search up YouTube videos about why marshals are bad and casters are so amazing comparably, so I'm not going to talk about that right now. Both the combat and balance issue and the roleplay pl- role being based both the combat imbalance issues and the roleplay problems can both be traced back to D&D's predecessor, Chainmail. Originally, if you chose a caster class, you were taking a gamble. If you could survive the early game, you could get a really big payoff late game. And, but with D&D being, becoming more and more roleplay, this old wargamey system cut that out. Many of these problems can be chased back to D&D's predecessor, Chainmail. Chainmail was a war game versus a role-playing game. So, if you chose to be a cast- caster class, you were taking a risk. If you could survive the early game with low HP and low level spells, then you could make it to late game, where you would be extremely cool. And because it was a war game, There was less time in between fights, meaning that you could have more fights between a short rest and a long rest. With D&D becoming more RP-focused, we need more systems that will help RP, and also the balance between marshals, or the imbalance between marshals and spellcasters becomes that much more noticeable with less combats between each long rest. Another problem is the stats, specifically constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, dexterity, and strength. While these core stats may cover every basis, eventually you find a point where almost in every single class, two stats are pretty much useless. Let's say I want to play a wizard. I obviously want high intelligence because I need it for my class. I want high constitution because anybody can use a little help in the health department, especially wizards with a d6 hit die. And I want to keep concentration on spells. And I also want a little dex just to make sure my armor class isn't too low. But for roleplay, charisma may be good, but 
I have no need for strength or wisdom. They do nothing to help me other than just some skill checks. And why would I invest some of my precious ASIs into upping something that's only going to up my that's only going to up my perception by one when I could just bump intelligence and have all of my spellcasting stats go up by one? I can learn new spells. I can cast higher level spells. Why would I not just bump intelligence when I because I can use that to learn more spells, increases my save DC, and my attack modifier. Also, a huge thing that has made me mad in D&D is a lot of times in character creation, you have to choose between combat and roleplay. Well, for many years, I played war games, and then I started playing, and then I See, for many years, I played war games, and then I transitioned into tabletop role-playing games, such as D&D. So with that war gamer inside of me, I have always had the urge to min-max, and I still do it to this day. The only time I don't is when the DM tells me specifically to not min-max. That's just how I get fun out of D&D, and many people also get fun that way. Also get fun out of the game that way. But when I do this, I find myself ha- always having low charisma and low stats. The low stats that don't matter to me. And, and why would I invest one of my spell learning slots into minor illusion? And why would I waste a cantrip slot on minor illusion... When I could get Firebolt to do 1d10 damage per turn, assuming you hit. Well, the problem is, I had to, there I had to choose between being good in combat and being good in roleplay. I want to create a game where you can be good at roleplay and have roleplay abilities while, n- while also being good at combat. You see, while you can still roleplay well with a creative character and great storytelling on your part, it's hard to solve problems outside of combat without resources such as cantrips, a high charisma, and all of those take investment of your stats that could be allocated to somewhere that gives you more damage. Also, when it's not your turn, it seems kind of dull in D&D. You can ready your action, but that requires your reaction to do so. And, well, when it's not your turn on D&D, it seems a little dull. On your turn, you can ready your action, allowing you to do something once a trigger has happened. However... This requires your reaction, a valuable resource for doing things not on your turn. And when it's not your turn, other than getting attacks of opportunity and ready to actions, there are not many things that you can do.
Plato once said that necessity is the mother of invention. So what necessity are we filling with this new combat system? With this new... Cut that. Plato said that necessity... Cut that. Plato said that necessity is the mother of invention. So what necessity are we filling with this TTRPG system? Well, in recent years, D&D has had a scandal with their open game license for their new game, One D&D. You can go look up some complicated YouTube video on it, but if you want to get this summary, I'd recommend you stick around. Basically, people will not be able to make content or homebrew for the games without paying a large sum of profits to Wizards of the Coast. This leads many people to turning to other TTRPG systems. So now we'll analyze other systems and what we can steal from them. A very popular alternative is Pathfinder. They are different from D&D in, in combat because they have a multiple action point system. This means instead of having an action, a bonus action, a reaction, and movement like you do in D&D, you just have a limited amount of action points that you use for all of those, all of those abilities. This is... This has many effects on combat, all mostly positive, but we will go over those in the next episode. It. One thing I don't like about this multiple action system is that it punishes players for attacking multiple times in combat. In Pathfinder, if you attack multiple times, you get a minus five to hit every time other than your first which can be good for RP because you can use your action points to do something else. However, There are other things to do on your turn, such as goad an enemy to try to taunt them, or to try and attempt to fear an enemy. This makes combat refreshing by limiting player choice. This also nerfs marshals more than they already are nerfed in D&D because their only way to get damage is by attacking, where a spellcaster can attack once and then uh, make a spell and then make a spell save, which does not count as attacking. Another system that is not in Pathfinder is the multi-classing system. This means that once you pick a class, you will have to stick to it to, for the entire game. You cannot multi-class out of it, like in D&D. &D. 
This limits character customization heavily. And I don't think Pathfinder makes up for it with other systems, such as having a feat each level and having different feats available based on your race. I think that having that customization of multiclassing is something that you're almost never going to beat in a class system. There is an upside. Well, it depends if you want to look at it as an upside. There is le- there's a less gap in damage per round between min-maxers and non-min-maxers because of this no-multiclassing system. This means that you can squeeze less damage out of your average character. This means that you can squeeze less damage out of your min-maxed character, but more out of your not-min-maxed character. One system that I've been exposed to recently is the Fallout... One system that I've been exposed to recently is the Fallout Zero system from Arcane Arcade. This is, these are other content creators that have made their own system to play with. This is a classless system, which means that unlike many others, you don't have as... This is a classless system, which means like many... This is a classless system which means that unlike many other systems, this one may lack customization. No. This is a classless system, which means that instead of choosing a class, you get to customize your character in other ways. It may look like you lack player agency because all characters are, don't have different classes, which are kind of your bases for building your character, However, you can get customization in different ways in this system. One of the main ways is through weapons and armor. There are a couple different sets of armor and a fair bit of weapons. Not that many to be considered considered a whole system, but there are a fair bit of armor and an above average amount of weapons, but not enough for a character creation to feel different until you take into account the additions to each armor depending on which one it is you can add between one to four additions this can range anywhere from upping your ac upping your radiation resist or even allowing you to carry more weight there are also things in the game called traits they are similar to feeds however many of them have there are many more of them there is also these things called traits. They are similar to feats in D&D. However, many of them have prerequisites, and there are also many more of them. Some of the prerequisites include having an, a certain amount in your special stat, being a certain race, or even taking another trait before this one. even taking another trait before the previous one.
Another system that I love from this is the special stats. These stats include strength, perception, endurance, charisma, intelligence, agility, and luck. It's an acronym. I like this system much more because even seemingly RP stats such as intelligence and charisma and per I like this system much more because even seemingly RP stats, such as intelligence, charisma, and perception, still affect important things in combat. Your perception affects your initiative, your charisma gives you boost to players around you, and intelligence allows you to get more XP and level up faster. All of these abilities are used both equally in and out of combat. Other than most of these abilities are used a balanced time in and out of combat, and your stat allocation really makes a difference because it also qualifies you for many traits that could be helpful to your build. In general, this system was intended to focus about 70% on combat and 30% on roleplay. This is a system... This is a decision I like. Because if you're making a whole system, this is a system I like. Because roleplay is hard to spice up. No. Just cut the whole thing and uh, go back on. This is focuses on 60% combat, 30% RP. The main problem with creating a new system is homebrew. Well, it's not a problem to your system, more that you can do it to other systems. See, what's the point of making a whole new system if you could make a couple homebrews and then do the same thing in, I don't know, D&D? Well, there are a couple of reasons. If you want to change major things in the system, such as the special stats, or the proficiency system, then it'd be hard to do that with homebrew if you're going to do many of those types of changes. Because of this, we have to separate ourselves from other popular TTRPG systems to have our system stand out. Add this into the Pathfinder one. Another thing that Pathfinder changes is the proficiency system. Instead of just being proficient or not, you can have different levels of proficiency. This allows much more customization for your roleplay.
However, this leads us back to the problem of having to choose between roleplay and combat. While it would be pretty cool to have a swimming stat of 500, you might just want to put that into your healing so that you can heal in between combats for completely free. You do not heal on a long rest in Pathfinder, so it, it's one of the best skills to have. Why would you never why would you ever not take proficiency or at least expert in healing? Over the course of analyzing other systems, I have compiled a list as to what we need to add to our system to make it enjoyable for both players and GMs alike. While I am... First, we need to decide what percent will be combat and what percent will be roleplay. I'm going to follow the follow the fallout system in this way because first we need to find out how much of the system will be combat and how much will be roleplay. This depends heavily on your personality. However, I'm going to this depends heavily on your players and your GM. However, I think I'm going to design the system to have 70% roleplay and 30% roleplay. I think I'm going to design this system to have 70% combat and 30% roleplay in mind. Another thing is that we have to account for every single player type. This includes both min-maxers and casual players. So this arises a problem. Do we focus on the min-maxers, allowing people to create awesome builds that do a thousand damage but that require a lot of complicated systems? Or do we focus on the casual players, do something like no multi-classing, like in Pathfinder, to lessen the gap between min-maxers and not min-maxers? I think that whilst not every person is a min-maxer trying to squeeze every point of damage out for themselves, they can still create a powerful character. Just because you're not a min-maxer doesn't mean that you're going to make Dex your dump stat on a rogue and not make a strength rogue. So, whilst... So whilst you may not be min-maxing, you're still not just throwing yourself in the bucket. That's why I think... That's why we're going to design this system to focus on more character creation options, leading to favoring min-maxes more. Another thing that we have to add is progression. Throughout, all, throughout your level-ups... Another thing that we have to add is progression. Throughout your level ups and adventures, you are sure to gain. Throughout your level ups and adventures, you are sure to gain both new abilities and new items alike. 
these will help you on your journey improving your character. However, how can we include this into our system? This is something that we'll have to think about in episode two. A huge thing that leads to players feeling empowered in the story is player agency. The player's decisions have to affect the story. Who cares what I do if nobody will get punished for my actions? Or there will be no equal and opposite reaction. There needs to be choices in and outside of combat that affect the story. We also have to give resources to GMs to make sure that they have fun with themselves and with their players. They also need to be able to have a challenge. They also need to be able to give a challenge to their players. One of the reasons that people love tabletop role-playing games is the chaos and unreliability of them. Everybody loves that high of hitting a nat 20 or the funny outcomes of hitting a nat 1. This gambling aspects keep people coming back session after session for a whole campaign. So we need to add some gambling aspects to our system. Even if that's just a couple dice rolls that are important, players will still get hyped. Another thing to help DMs, another thing to add that will help DMs is to create a moldable story. That means that we are going to create both a setting and possible villains but not a whole story about how the players get to them. That's for the GM to do. We also could create pre-made manuals to help, pe- help GMs instead of making their own story. This can be seen. This can be seen in both D and in. This can be seen most popularly in D&D, where you can buy modules. So instead of creating a whole new story, you have it all lined out for you. All the NPCs, all the towns that you'll need. I also want to create a system that will reword creativity. So if that So if that one barbarian wants to take a stool and slam it on some guy's head in a tavern, you don't want to say, 
oh, well, that'll actually just do less than your broadsword. And then have him use that instead. Could just ruin the whole cool roleplay moment. We should reward that creativity. D&D has a system for this called inspiration. However, this was in... However, I predict that this system was thrown in near the end of the game's... However, I predict that this system was thrown in at the end of the game's making process. This is because it is not fleshed out nor well-balanced. Players often save their inspiration for the most important role. And many DMs disregard it entirely. My favorite rule of all the previous role-playing systems is the rule of cool. If your player wants to do something, you want to be... My most favorite rule from the previous systems is the rule of cool. This states that if your player wants to do something as a GM, you have the responsibility to let them attempt it. You have the responsibility to let them attempt it and not be punished. This is shown in the previous example. You're punishing your player for doing something cool, like slamming a bar stool on top of somebody's head. There are some questions that are still unanswered about our system, such as, will we have classes, or will we have a classless system? Will we have an action point system, or a system similar to D&Ds, with an action, bonus action, reaction, and movement, separate for each ability? These are questions that will be answered in episode 2, Making the Hard Decisions. Thank you for tuning in, and have an amazing, adventure-filled day.